What's up, party people? You know one of the worst things about being a self-employed performer? That's right, it's your tax. If you're sick and tired of collecting all your receipts and guessing your way through your tax rebate, well, I know the people that can remove the stress and make it as simple as five, six, seven, eight. That's right, it's Theat Accounts. They're an accounting company that specialize in working with performers. So they know all the things that we can claim back and it's so simple. You upload your invoices and bank statements to their website and they do all the work for you. It's cheap, it's easy, and once you try it, I guarantee you will not regret it. It has changed my tax life. Just email info at theataccounts.co.uk. That's theat, T-H-E-A-T, accounts. So again, that's info at theataccounts.co.uk. Make sure you tell them you're from the Ins and Outs podcast and you'll get some five-star VIP treatment. You will get treated like a king. Honestly, they've changed my life. They've made it so much easier. They've removed the stress from tax and they can do the same for you. Boom. Do you want an insight into the minds of the industry professionals? Then there's only one place to be. One place to be. The Ins and Outs Podcast with your host, Kane Silver. In this episode of the Ins and Outs Podcast, I speak to Matthew Lambden. Matthew Lambden is a choreographer and director and also a studio owner of Heartworks Dance Studio. This was a very special episode because it's the first podcast we've done with an audience. So I interview Matthew for about 30 minutes and then we open the floor to some of the students who I'd been teaching for the last four hours uh, and they came up with some questions. They asked some wonderful questions about uh, the journey and the life of a dancer, how we motivate ourselves, some of the hardest things that we come across in our career and myself and Matthew answer them to the best we can. Um, I hope you enjoy. I've never done a podcast like this before and I had lots of fun. I'd like to say a massive thank you to all the students at Heartworks Dance Studios and a massive thank you to Matthew Lambden. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please find us on Instagram. Matthew's Instagram is Matthew with two T's, Lam, L-A-M-B-D-E-N, D-E-N, Matthew Lambden. So please go check him out uh, and thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy. Here is Matthew Lambden. And we're in, motherfucker. Hey. 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 It's our first live podcast. We've got an audience. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. Come through. This is exciting. Um, so today I have with me Matthew Lambden. I said that right, right? Correct. I normally butcher everything. Don't worry. Name. It's okay. It's I forgive okay. you. Um, owner of Heartworks Dance Studio. Can Correct. You, can you tell us a bit about yourself, Matthew? Yeah. So um, I started out as a choreographer and then saw a gap in the market here in Birmingham. And there was no sort of professional training. It was all for sort of 11-year-old kids or... Sally from accounting was like 56 and just wants to pop in for a little keep fit class. Teaching you know, IS, like, ISTD modern. Like. Yeah, exactly. So there was exactly that. So there was like a huge gap in the market um, for sort of the models that they have in Los Angeles um, and the ones that they have down in London. And yeah, I just wanted to, to sort of make that really. So that's what we did here. And we've been here for two years now. We've changed some lives. Um, we've got a lot of ex-dancers working mm-hmm. um, and we've got a nice cohort of of sort of new kids on the block, sort of ready to transition into the professional realm. So, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I really, 
and I've said it to all you guys as well, so it's dope, but there's an energy when I taught here for the first time last month, which I don't get many places I teach. You've really created like what feels to be like a safe space and a place where everyone kind of trusts each other. How do you feel like you made that? Uh, well, I mean, thank you, first of all. Uh, secondly, energy to me is like the most important thing. Like, I don't care how good you are. Obviously, if we were looking at like booking jobs and things like that, yes. But when you're coming to train, it needs to be a safe space and you need to contribute to that safe space. Um, here's, it's, it's called heart work because it genuinely does come from the heart. Um, it's, it's always a bit of therapy when we're here. Yeah. You know, everybody's got their demons um, as everybody does and, and we sort of help each other work through it and there's no judgment zone. Anybody that gets a little, you know, a little too intense, a little shady, a little rude, um, where their energy's off, they just have to leave. It's yeah. that simple, you know. We're, we're pretty strict on it. Um, I run the studio. Um, my boyfriend, Michael, and, and Chanel, um, they're really sort of on, on top of it. And we really keep people's energies um, sort of in check, really. Um, so when we have auditions for the company, we always talk to people. And we're sort of like, you know, what are you about? What do you want? Why us? Why here? Yeah. You know, rather than... How good are you? How many spins can you do? It's like, you know, what is your heart pure? Yeah. Is your soul clean? Are you are you going to contribute a good energy? Are you going to drain the energy out of the space? Sort mm -hmm. of, you know, what what are you? Are you a radiator or yeah. do you drain people, you know? So that, uh -huh. that that's sort of what it is and and it's important to me, you know, because you've got to be a nice person. Yeah, you've got to be great, but yeah. Gotta be nice. Do you find know? it? Have you found it hard running your own studio? Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people just go, "Oh, you run a dance studio. You must make a fucking killing." You like, do you know? Oh I mean? yeah. Oh yeah. Oh oh yes. We've had it all. Apparently, I live in Los Angeles. You know, I have this. I have this nice mansion um, in Beverly Hills. Um, yeah. No, it's really, really expensive, um, and I'm not too sure sort of how other people do it, but I know for a fact that in this city alone, all of the studios here, especially all of the big ones, they're all funded um, by different arts organizations and things like that. We've never received a single penny in funding. I've never applied. So yeah. it's not as if you know, we were declined. Yeah. I've never applied, but I've done everything off my own back. So if we don't have people here as customers, we don't stay open. Yeah. You know, we've been here two years. It's very, very expensive. Um, it's crazy because we had a we had a guy come from South Africa to teach. He was with a touring company called Dada Masillo, and he came and he taught here and he he worked out the studio of how much we pay rent here yeah. in South African rand. And he was like, "You pay two million rand a year?" I'm like, "Yep." Yep. <laughs> so you know, just looking at the cost of that it is it is very hard. It's hard to stay open. It's hard to stay inspired. Yeah. When you're constantly, everything that you're doing is sort of working and fighting towards getting extra coin. And then when you do get that money, it goes towards the rent. Yeah, for sure. You know, that that's hard. And, and sort of, you have to put your dreams on the back burner a little mm -hmm. for other people. You know, my plan was to move to Los Angeles and work as a choreographer and educator. Um, and then maybe open a studio out there. And then with the money that... I had to do that. I then decided to open this space instead and sort of take some time, however long it was, to sort of look at Birmingham and if I can change the dance scene here and change the dancers' lives here and then when I've made a difference in my city, then I can sort of fly the yeah. nest, you know, and then make a difference in LA. But I wasn't kind of expecting how how that would feel because it's quite... 
intense, you know, when you're wanting to, to move and then you're like, oh, I'm working all this money that I'm making and then goes towards the rent and I'm still no closer to moving to LA or, or doing yeah. any of that. You know, that was quite hard to take. It's kind of like you have to sacrifice one dream to let another one live. Yeah, 100%. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in that sense, I've then helped God knows how many people. Yeah. You know, I mean, we've got, not just from the studio, but from, from me running, I used to run a, a really successful sort of musical theatre training company. Mm -hmm. um, from that and here, we've got 75 students, previous students currently working professionally. Oh, uh, yeah, in between things like Hamilton, um, in the West End, um, touring with artists, working on Broadway, mm -hmm. working in LA, teaching. So, you know, we have a really sort of successful um, sort of alumni. So it's working. Yeah. You know, what we're doing is working and we're changing people's lives. It's just, I turned 30 this year. So I also need to, get me my bus pass. So we're like, we're, we're, we're sort of looking at, at sort of how I can balance my life with, yeah. with studio life. That's very hard, mm. you know, but. Um, when you're, when you first opened this, what's the process of like, you know, it's not, is it as simple as you just get a venue, put mirrors up and put studio floors down? Like um, for lots of people who think about, like I've always thought, oh, if I open my own studio, that'd be dope. But I know there's so much more to it probably than that, right? Oh my gosh. Like insurance and yeah, shit like that, I bet is. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And and the thing is, you think that you can have it all worked out, but then all of a sudden something will, will pop up and you're like, oh, Jesus. Mm. Um, so what happened with me is that I was, I ran a, a sort of intensive contemporary training company every Saturday and I was hiring this space in Birmingham and it was very, very small. It's in the same building as this actually and it was very, very small. Um, it wasn't suitable anymore. I did a couple of shows there but we outgrew it. We had too many people and then all of a sudden um, my friend Chanel Clemenson, who's a fantastic choreographer, she sort of found this space in the building and she was like, come here, come here, come here. So we ran down the corridor and she opened this door and it was literally like Narnia. So she opened this door to the back of the building and it was just used for storage. It was dusty as hell. There were some Halloween decorations. There were some 1970s disco balls. There wasn't even a floor. It just fell straight down to the earth. So we're like, what the hell is this? But at the same time I was like, okay, I need this space. So I went straight to the guy who owns the actual building. I was like, what are you doing with that space at, at, you know, at the back of the building? He was like, well, nothing just storage. I'm like, okay, well, I want to turn it into a studio. He's like, well, that's very hard. I was like, yes, I yes, know, but you know, it's going to, everything's got a price. So how can we, how can we work it out? And then it took from, that was in the April and we started working on it in the August and we opened in the January. Mm. And basically we just laid out the floor. We're on the second floor. And as I said, there was no floor. It literally, there was no floor. So you'd open the door and fall straight down one floor. Wow. Um, yeah. So everything that you're seeing now, we had to lay out completely. Uh -huh. um, the wall was a loading bay for HGV lorries. So we had to, we had to take out the roller shutter, yeah. lower the windows. Like we had to do everything, build walls, fit the mirrors to the walls, make it safe enough for people to dance on. Um, and yeah. It was a it was a process. Yeah, because I remember when Studio 68 first opened uh -huh. and they had teething problems for a very long time. I don't even know if they're still solved, but I remember speaking to TK about her as we did a podcast. Yep. And she was saying how much more difficult opening a studio is than people think. And it'd be like, everyone would moan about a slippery floor. And she's like, yeah, but it's not that simple. It's like, not simple. It's not an easy thing to just mm -mm. figure out. And then when base opened, it had the exact same teething issues. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, everyone's yeah, yeah. like, 
oh, you think that they would have learned from Studio 68 doing it. But I guess it's not as simple as people would think to just make a studio no, perfect mean, it, from the get-go. No, I mean, it's okay. I mean, we've all been there. You know, I've been in Millennium in LA, slipping and sliding yeah. here, there, and everywhere. And you're like, you know, they need to fix the floor. And then I opened my studio. And the day we opened, we were looking forward to the open day for months and months and months. And I brought Zach Reese over mm-hmm. from, from Paris. From and Paris. We, oh, oh, yeah, and we had Tally here and various other different, you know, incredible choreographers. And um, <laughs> within about 20 minutes... It literally turned into a sauna and the ceiling was leaking and there was no water. It was just the condensation because of the heat and the room was cold and we've got single pane windows that were built in like 1950. (laughs) So when the room gets cold and then people are hot, you know, you don't think of those things. You just think, oh, yeah, just put a fan on. No, no, no. It doesn't work that easy. So then we actually, we found a solution actually for this studio, but it's not going to work for everybody. But we have built into the wall, we have an old um, aeroplane propeller uh-huh. um, that's connected to a motor and when you just turn it it just it literally sucks out the air um, and you, you'll never see it because it's hidden in this black um, thing and ah. we call it the extractor fan but really it's, it's an old aeroplane that just turns and <laughs> sucks the moisture out that's what it is and it, it works for us it's noisy as hell but it works like your own Ryanair oh yeah 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 <laughs> nice now sick I always wonder about opening a studio and I was like Bet it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is. There's a reason no one really gets it right straight away. You know what mm, I mean? Yeah, I, I actually think money is money. I think there's not a shortage of money in the world. If you want to find money, if you want to make rent, if you want to make profit, you can go do it. There's a million ways of making money. That, that to me is not the hardest. The hardest thing is the time it mm. takes out of your life and uh, sort of like work and family balance. That's very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's emotional. Yeah. You get to know people. I know people's lives. I've had people come out. I've had students come out to me as gay. I've had students go through miscarriages. I've had mm. students lose their parents, uh, go through sort of suicidal thoughts. Like I've had all of those things. And when you open a studio, you don't just think, okay, like let, let's bring that on. But actually that's, it's the most rewarding part. Yeah, you create like your own community and your own family. It's not as easy as if to go like, I'm out of office now, shut off. No, 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 no. You've got I a connection with the people that you teach. I don't have any office hours. I, it's literally from when I open my eyes until when I close my eyes. And then when I close my eyes, I'm dreaming about what I'm doing here. Yeah. Literally. And my boyfriend, he's a teacher here. And my phone will be going off at 4 a.m. Ding. Someone's like, hi, what class is on today? I'm like, it's 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, but I, I'm the type of person that because I care and because I've opened it from a place of love, I'm like, well, this class is on, this class is yeah. on. He's like, no, reply at 10 a.m. when you're open. <laughs> you know, but it's it's not that easy. Yeah. It's really not. And not when you need customers to come so that you can cover the rent, so that you can stay open, so that you can continue to change people's lives. You know, yeah. it's not. No, it's not easy. But it is very rewarding. Yeah. What was your experience before opening the studio? I remember you saying they used to manage... Like choreographers. Yeah, so I've managed quite a lot of um, really great choreographers. And and to me, I always look for people who are inspiring educators as opposed to credits. Yeah. I hate it when people put credits on a poster because I'm like, just advertise the person. Um, So I've always sort of gone for people that I have been changed by. So if I've taken their class, they've had a change on, on me and my career and my life. Um, so I've managed the UK tours and European tours for people like Tavares Wilson, mm-hmm. um, Erica Sobel, Miguel Zarate, Rudy Smith, 
Um, I managed Mia Michaels. So mm -hmm. lots of lots of amazing choreographers, um, and we've done a lot of great things for them, and that's given me a lot um, as both a studio owner, but also as a choreographer and educator, because I've got to see how people that I look up to, how they work both sides of it, in the studio and outside of the studio, which taught me how to conduct myself in a way. Yeah. You know, because not everybody teaches you how to write an email. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, 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 or how you come across sort of when things are written as opposed to being said. And also managing choreographers f always from America has shown me that you have to ask for your, your worth. Yeah. You know, I don't know about the UK. But I find a lot of dancers, especially in this city, I don't know if it's the same for London, really. I would assume so, is that people cut their worth short. They'll think about what they're worth and then they'll deduct 50 quid or 100 quid because they feel uncomfortable charging what they're actually worth and mm -hmm. what they've trained for and what they've worked for. Whereas in America, they're like, the price is the price. This yeah. is this is this is the price. This is my fee. And me as an as an organizer, I've just always accepted their fee. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I mean, that's not you know, it's not a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. But if if they've come to me, I'm like, okay, this is what you believe you're worth. Now it's my job to see if I can make that work. And yeah. every time I've been able to make it work. That's interesting because I also like I teach a lot, and I kind of put myself in a position of, I believe I charge way under what I'm worth. However, mm -hmm. I want as many people to have the opportunity to learn from me as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think a lot of teachers or choreographers, they set their worth so high, which it, I guess is fantastic because that's where they value themselves and that's where they put it as. But, you know, not everyone's in a position where they can drop a shitload of money to learn nope. from someone or spend a thousand pounds for you to come and teach for two hours. That's correct. Like, so... In my head, I want to influence and have a positive impact on as many people as possible at such an affordable price. But I still obviously have to make a living from it. Yeah, you got to. And it's eat. about finding that balance. But I also find a lot of teachers and choreographers set their prices at such a high standard that mm -hmm. they don't think of themselves as a business. They're very good at going, "This is my worth, and this is what I'm charging you." And mm -hmm. I'm going, "Cool, but you're going to get." three gigs a year because no one can afford to yeah, pay. Yeah, no that. one's going to pay you. Whereas you need to be able to find the balance of, "Am I going to be?" Like, do you want to be Gucci mm -hmm. or do you want to be Topshop? Yeah. Like, yes, a Gucci bag is super expensive, but how many people buy it? How many sales are you going to get? Yeah. Whereas Topshop, people always keep going back because it's a replica of that. Like, do yeah. you mean it's like a, not as great version of that, but it's at an affordable price? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. and I think a lot of teachers who, especially that I meet, like when I judge and stuff like that, I'm like, you know, they're like, oh, I've got a, a part-time job Monday to Friday and I do this. And I go, why? And they go, oh, there's just, I go, do you not get any teaching in? And they'll be like, no. And I'm like, why? And they'll tell me like how much they charge. And I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. Yeah, no like one no one. one's employing you every week for yeah, that. No, absolutely like, impossible. Would you not rather be more consistent and not yeah. have to work in Tesco part-time and teach once every three months? I think it's about finding a balance. So I do agree with people need to teach at their worth, but also you need to be a smart business. And that's what took me a long time to figure out is to get rid of my egotistic dancer side and be like, this is what mm. I'm worth and this is what it is and start thinking of myself as a business and go, what's going to build my reputation and my mm -hmm. value more? Yeah. Because the more people that talk about me and say how great the workshop was or whatever, the more in demand I'm going to be you know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. So it's about finding the balance of yeah. both, I think. I'm just pretty, I just don't work with those people. Yeah. Because you can, I, you know, charge your worth, but then you have to be your worth. Yeah. So course. you can't charge, you know, 800 pounds for a class and then you come and it's a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can. Yeah. But, but you I'm not going to bring, you, I'm never going to bring you back. 
And you know, I've got people here, there, and everywhere texting me, "How's this person? What's this workshop?" Yeah. Like, I'm saying, "Crap." Yeah. You know what I mean? So I bring people. That's why I say, like, I manage people that have changed me. I know mm-hmm. they're worth that money, and that money is getting them longevity. Yeah. It's it's getting them those. You know, I managed Erica Sobel's Gypsy Week in London which was a shortened version of her Gypsy Project in, in, mm-hmm. you know, in Los Angeles, which is seven weeks long. And we did a week-long program, and we had dancers come from Canada, from um, China. We had people come from Europe, all over. And they did this five-day workshop. And that was in, I think, 2016. And I'm still using the quotes mm. now. It's, it's changed my life four years on. So it was absolutely worth the money. Whereas yeah. then you'll get some people that charge way more and they just come in and teach, teach a few steps. And yeah. there's absolutely no education behind it whatsoever. It's just look at this nice choreo I've done. Yeah. Pay make, me. Make it about me. Yeah, no. Not for me. Yeah, I guess. And my thing is I see a lot of teachers now, especially up and current, and this isn't a knock to anyone. It's just from my observing, they teach choreography and they're not, they're not teaching skills. Nope. Like they're not teaching anything that's going to carry over outside of that environment or that room. That's correct. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we live in a social media world, you know. Mm. So everybody gets everybody gets hype because they've got fifty thousand followers or a hundred thousand followers, and then that now warrants a higher cost. So I've got people that have got no experience that have literally been teaching one year. They don't have any credits. But a they, viral video. A viral video or or they post half naked pictures or something and they, they have this ridiculous amount of followers and they're like, well, I need this amount of money for, but for what though? Mm. What are you offering? You know, what, what, what yeah. are you going to, how are you going to change my students' lives? Cause that's really what I need you to do. I need you to come in. I need you to take people out of their sorrow. You know, if they're having a bad life or they're having a bad time or they're struggling or some of them are, you know, it's a hard industry. And sometimes people are on the cusp mm-hmm. of quitting and moving forward. So if I'm bringing people in, I need you to push them the other way. Yeah. I need you to push them towards believing that they can do it or giving them some inspiration so that they want to move forward and actually progress. Whereas sometimes I've actually had people in the past come and push people the other way because they've made it just about them. They don't pass on any skills, no knowledge. It's just a show and tell yeah. with the choreographer demonstrating 10 million solos. And then at the end, people have said, oh, can I have a picture? And they're like, no. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Not for me. And they're not. No one's leaving there with any anything, except go. I got to watch them do it. No. No one's leaving with, with nothing. A hole in their pocket from paying. Yeah. And actually, I don't charge my I don't charge my dancers for workshops. Yeah. So when I have guest choreographers, they don't they don't pay. They they pay to train with me. During Yo, the month, sick. <laughs> they pay. <laughs> yeah. So whether it's, you know, whether it's you, whether it's Tasha Riley, you know, they don't pay. They pay their monthly fee to train on a Sunday. Yeah. And that's it. They don't have to, you know. There's no uh, extra added. No, unless I'm bringing somebody from, you know, LA. So recently we had, you know, Adam Parsons mm-hmm. um, come, come from, from Los Angeles and, and they had to pay for that. But that's just because it was a higher, it was a higher cost. But, yeah. you know, anybody that I can, I try and give it to them. Yeah. Um, for n- for no additional cost, actually. You lucky bastards. <laughs> Tell them. <laughs> Tell them. Yo, people be paying. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's hard, you yeah. know. And I, I think one of the things that I wish somebody would have told me was save your money. Mm. You know, save your money or invest your money. Yeah. So 
I don't want people, hopefully, all these kids sitting on the floor, I say kids, they're hardly kids, but these people sitting on the floor, hopefully that the money that they do save in not having to pay for these additional workshops, they're putting away so that when they do want to live that dream life, mm -hmm. they're not starting from zero. Yeah. You know? Everyone's so we, tr we try and make it as, a, as efficient and as cheap as possible. No, that's amazing. You can tell that your heart's in it and you're not in it for the money. Like, I teach at a lot of, a lot of schools and I can't tell you a time where I think the school owner or the teacher, whoever's employs me, has sat through the entire class and watched, especially four hours. Most mm -hmm. of them come and they go, okay, here's my dancers, and then they bounce and they go and do their thing. And yeah. it's kind of like, no, you're doing childcare for me today. Like, do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Absolutely not. I'm, you know, I sit in every sort of class that I'm, I organize, I will be there with a notepad and I'll be writing every single note. And if you give somebody a, a critique, um, I'll be writing it down. So I'll make sure that at the end, they leave with that critique. So that it doesn't, because sometimes when you're in the room, things are said, if it's four hours, you might have given a golden nugget of information, mm -hmm. you know, the first 15 minutes into class, but so much has happened during those four hours that they're going to leave and they're like, what was that thing you said? Yeah. Well, here it is because I wrote it down. Yeah, it's genius. I mean, I remember I taught here like a month ago and I remember looking at you thinking, is he writing notes on me? <laughs> huh? I was like, yes, I he, was. Is he writing? Yes. Is he scoring me out of one You've to got 10? a low C. Oh my God. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Probably the highest grade I've ever got. No, no, yippee. no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's for them. It's for them. No, I think it's dope. It's always for them. And it's to sh it shows that you really care a lot. Oh yeah. lovely to see. Absolutely. I mean, I, I tore my MCL um, last March and was out. I literally had like a walking stick. It was horrendous. Um, I was so injured. And I went to Los Angeles four weeks after my injury and took a masterclass with Ty Steorio. And I really, really wanted to do his class. And the first thing he said, okay, so now you're going to do a cartwheel on your elbows. And I'm like, um, hmm, okay, <laughs> come on meniscus. So we, um, th that was an interesting thing. And I thought, you know what? I can either injure myself or I can sit out I can make some notes. I can really take what he's saying mm -hmm. in. Um, and then I pass the notes on to these guys. They weren't at the class. They didn't pay for the class. They didn't travel to LA. Some of them did, but some of them were unable to. So I made sure that I brought that knowledge home for them. Yeah. It's selfish otherwise, you know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it sounds silly, but you're there like watching people teach or whatever, but it's kind of like you're doing an apprenticeship. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're, you're learning from someone who you want to, I guess strive to be like 100 percent. you know what i mean and i i used to do that with like even when i learned from john graham i always come back yep. to him because he's taught me the most out of anyone's ever taught me yeah but i would look at how he teaches i'd look at the way he explains stuff mm -hmm. and i would take skills that he's delivering do you know what i mean and not yep. only learning it for me to do it but going why does everyone respond so well to that yeah yeah, yeah. Exa thing. exactly i'm gonna that. use that 100 percent. there's a really really good book um called steal like an artist mm -hmm. um by austin cleon and it talks about the idea of everything under the sun is theft because it's already been done. Yeah. And you'd be arrogant to say that, you know, you have reinvented the wheel. Just acknowledge it. Say that you're inspired by this person and you take influences from person A and person B and person C and person D. And you take that in and you, you twist it and you mm. decorate it and you make it yours. And then that becomes something that other people steal from. And then yeah. they twist it and they make it theirs. He said it's only theft if you plagiarize it if you copy it 100% and then credit it as your own yeah you know whereas if you're taking say John Graham and you're you're finding things it's like oh that works you you're not John Graham so yeah. you're gonna have to make it work for you you're yeah. gonna deliver it in a way that is new to you and and works for you and it it becomes yours but yeah. then you say to people 
well, I learned this from such and such, and yeah. that's how things get passed on, you know. And I think there's there's an element of that that's that's dying, mm. you know, because I think sometimes we'll we'll mention people in the studio or when I go and teach guest workshops or whatever, and we'll mention different choreographers and different TV shows as we were talking about earlier with Fanny Pack and America's yeah. Best Dance Crew and things like that. And people say, huh? huh? You know, I've never heard of that. And, and I think it's important to pass those things on and anything that you've learned or has inspired you, tell people, you know, yeah. these are my go-to. These people inspired me. This thing inspired me. This inspired me. So then they can then go do their research, get inspired by it, pass it on to the next piece, you know, to the next person, to the next people, blah, 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 blah. 100%. Nothing is our own, I guess. Do <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... And what? I mean, you know... I, <laughs> I think it is. I mean, Anima, you know, yeah. when I teach, I'm like, I'm a genius. And then I'll watch something. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that person did it in 1998. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And actually and what's happened is... I was happened in that class, but I didn't remember <laughs> learning that. And I did not remember learning the combo. And what yeah. happened is we've taken things in mm. and it's it's become ours. Yeah. Well, it's, it's your... It's your dictionary. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like you start, with no, you start with no dance vocabulary or no movement vocabulary and then you learn from people and you take the ones you like and then you make your own version of that dictionary or that exactly that. and that's what you create with. exactly that. you know what i mean yeah. otherwise none of us would be allowed to do a pirouette nope or a chenet yeah yeah yeah. Do you know what i mean and it all carries over yeah exactly no dope you know it's different to biting choreo yes you know I've had people going, this is my three eights that i saw uh, on yeah the show. yeah yeah i mean i had somebody steal my choreo before and put it on stage and say that it was theirs and it won a cash prize yeah and i'm like but it's mine. Can I have 10%? Right. <laughs> can I have all of it? Um, but it's, uh, you know, that's different. We're not yeah. talking about that. You know, we're just talking about being inspired and, and playing homage to, to the people that have sort of inspired you, you know. Yeah. Dope. Thank you. Thank she, you. Uh, she opened the floor to these wonderful people. Please. Sat do here so quietly. Please, quiet as a mouse. Quiet as a mouse. It's amazing. So um, let's hope this works. If you've got a question... Grab the microphone, I'll turn you on, and then when you finish, I'll turn you off so it doesn't keep making a banging noise. Whoever wants to go, you grab it. Grab the mic, take the hot seat. Go! Good to see you're all so enthusiastic and jumping at once. It's a very long way, they're on their way. It's on the <laughs> <laughs> you can't see it, they're having to travel miles to the microphone. Hold up, wait there. We've got to turn your mic on. Oh, why is your mic not coming on? This is pure sabotage today. Judas. Judas, you can talk into my microphone. We checked that and it worked. Technology. I should have made you come really close to my face. Moving swiftly on. What is the biggest challenge you have come across in your career so far? I don't think that's going to work. I think you're going to have to come nose to nose with me and share a mic, but it's okay. You've done it now. Uh, what is the biggest challenge I've come across in my career? Uh, I think the hardest thing in my career has been being able to separate my career from my life. Mm -hmm. That's been the biggest, the biggest thing for me. I was always very career comes first. Every girlfriend I ever had, if they don't go to London and take class today. I'd be like, bad bitch. Mm. Like, uh, my job would always come first. Even with spending time with my family, I would miss birthdays and weddings and every special occasion because there's an audition mm -hmm. or I can't afford to not take someone's class. Um, that's been my biggest struggle. But 
now I'm older, I, I went through some really shit things. I lost my brother like five years ago. He committed suicide and I didn't have a very good relationship with him. And for me, that was the biggest eye opener in the entire world of going, wow, like I can't tell you like many recent memories of us as brothers because I've been out being not selfish, but all I've thought about is me. And I was never even aware that his, he felt that way. There was no acknowledgement because I was so tunnel visioned on like, I have to make a career from this and this is the go-to. And if I don't do it, the whole world ends. Do you know what I mean? And when something real happened where I felt like my world ended, that was my wake up call. And ever since my goal has been to balance the both much more and to know that no matter what job I've done ever, it's never changed my life. There's not one job that I've ever done where I can leave there and go, my life is different but losing my brother changed my life. Mm. So for me, that was like a real wake up call is going, right, I need to prioritize what's really important to me and really valuable and what is, I guess, not as valuable. That's been my hardest thing. Mm. Dope, next question. Come and uh, shout it into this bad boy. Maybe you can just shout it from there and I'll just repeat it. Oh, dear. Ooh, let me read that so that people, the people can hear that. He's wrote Lord of the Rings. Wow. <laughs> that was deep. Have you ever changed yourself or your actions in fear of judgment from other dancers or artists? If so, how did you find yourself again and live in your authenticity? Was, did I say that right? Yes, Yes, you did. that was proper tongue twister. Um, when I first moved to London, I saw the people that were working. I saw the cool dancers. We call them the kids. I don't know if they still call them that, but we used mm. to call them the kids. And I looked at uh, Cisco Gomez, Sean Niles, yeah, BB, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, at the time, Jay Ravel. Um, and I looked at all them and I was like, right, what, what have they got that I haven't? Why are they working and I'm not? Mm. And I was really fortunate that I fell into the same friend circle as them. Um, but then what I found myself doing was compromising what I wanted to do and how I really felt and how I would dress and things like that just to fit in because I was like if I fit in and they accept me I'm gonna book jobs that happened I, I dressed how they all dressed I went to the clubs they went to I went to GAY where I didn't really want to be at GAY I stopped talking about football and the things I liked to them because I thought they didn't like it um, and I kind of became the person that I thought I was meant to be to, to survive in this industry um, and not that that was a bad thing, but there was, there was something about myself which never felt fully satisfied and, or sincere. Although I'm very grateful for all the help because they've all helped me in a very, very great way. They helped me learn a lot about the industry I was going into, but I kind of was learning about the industry I was going into and not really being true to myself. And then when I first met John Graham, like this is why he's my go-to, because I met a guy who is quite similar to me he liked the actual dance styles that I liked. We liked similar things. We liked the same sports. He wore the trainers that I thought were cool. I didn't want to wear all Saints boots, but all the people I thought were cool wore all Saints boots. And he just wore Nike high tops. And I was like, mm. oh, I can fucking just wear Nike high tops. <laughs> like, and still have a career in this. So that was, that's kind of the only way I changed who I was to try and make it work. But then once I'd met someone which was making it work and was like the same things I did, for me, that was a massive game changer. And I was like, oh, finally, I can be me. 
and it kind of changed my whole direction of my career, but for the better, because I was much happier from then on. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think for me, uh, sort of choreographing and, and teaching, especially when you teach a weekly open class and you try and create new content weekly, you know, that's a lot. And, and when you're making, especially now when you look at social media and you're seeing, you know, thousands of other people's choreography and, and things like that, it's impossible not to compare yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you see people that you perceive as being better than you, it makes you go inside of yourself. And then you start to think, you start to overthink and you start to edit and edit and edit and edit um, until eventually you're just like a costume of yourself. Um, and, and what I do, again, from Erica Sobel's Gypsy Project is she calls technique home and she says you can always return home. So to me, I made home a point of all of my inspirations. So I'd look at the Seaweed Sisters and I'd look at Ryan Heffington and I'd look at Mia Michaels and Crystal Pite and all these people. And when I started to create weird choreography that was, it didn't feel weird for me, but other people would always say, your stuff is so weird. Your stuff is so quirky. Your stuff is so unusual. I would take that as one, a good thing. But then when I got home, I would take it as a bad thing. So I'm like, mm. oh, does that mean it's not good? Does that mean I should change it? Does that mean I should do this? Does that mean I should do that? And then... I return home and I look at my inspirations and I look at all the people that have helped without them knowing, have helped me get to where I am. And I'm like, actually, no, I'm on the right path. Yeah. You know, it, it, to answer your question earlier, Caden, um, it flows back into this is that one of the things that I've struggled with the most is making sure that my cup is full before I pour into other people's cups. Yeah. And if I work on making my cup full to bursting, I don't really have to change myself that much because I'm content. I'm happy. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know my work ethic. I know my ethos. I know my creativity. I know my creative genius, even though that sounds arrogant. Like I, I, I know it, you know, mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm safe in knowing who I am because I've been built from the seeds of these inspirational people, if that makes any sense whatsoever at all. Yeah, it definitely did. Emo, Wel Emo Welsh once said to me like, I was like, oh, I was going to teach a class. And I was like, I'm afraid no one's going to like it. And she went, mm. do you like it? And I went, yeah. She went, that's all that matters. That's right. They're there to learn from your judgment and what you like. Don't cater for what you think they're going to like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's so more, hard. And then it's more sincere. Oh, of course it's hard. But it was a great point. It was like, stop trying to do what I think other people are like and do what I really like. And then they'll take it as a sincere thing. And I'll probably deliver it better. I'll yeah, probably yeah, enjoy yeah. dancing it more. Yeah. I'll enjoy I mean, I create to I create to music that I like, but I don't listen to the music that other people seem to like. Yeah. You know, I listen to really experimental music and things that people have never heard of. And then occasionally I'll teach to Drake. So people are like, oh my God, yeah. I love this song. And then the stuff that I do to it is nothing like what they want, no. nor they expect. So there's always a sort of dip yeah. in the room of like, oh, yeah. we're doing that. To, oh, we're being a wolf to Drake. Okay, <laughs> nice. I understand. <laughs> But I'm happy with it. You know, I'm sitting in it. I'm like, okay, well, this is what we're doing. Today we're an alien to Drake. Like wolves, the hotline bling. That's you it. I mean? That's it. So, you know, strap yourself in. You're in for a bumpy ride. Brilliant. Uh, go hit us. Yes, honey. What would be the best way to overcome the feeling of not being good enough? Hmm. Just know that everything's a process. Know that 
you should never compare your journey to someone else's because you might be at level two of your journey and they might be at level eight of theirs. So why are you comparing? Even if it's someone that looks like you and is the same age as you and has the same experience as you as a dancer, you might not have the same life experience. So you shouldn't compare your level to mm -hmm. someone else's because you might just be on a different part of the journey or you might be destined for different things. So I think the way people always doubt themselves and think they're not good enough is because they're comparing themselves. Because if we didn't compare ourselves to anyone, we wouldn't care. I always, before I started as a professional dancer, social media wasn't really a thing. So I used to just dance in my local town and taught by the local person. And I thought the local person, his name's Kaz, he taught me and I thought he was the sickest teacher ever. I was like, he is so fucking cool. And everything he did, it was like, God had blessed me and told me that is the truth and I, I believed everything so much and then I'd go to competitions and no matter what other people were doing I was like yeah but this is cool like what I'm doing is cool but because I had nothing to compare it to whereas I think now we're in an environment where everything is so accessible like you can do your version of something and then you'll look online and you straight away you compare it to the next best thing you're always comparing yourself to other people so I just think trust the process and as long as you know that you're giving your all like then everything will fall into place yeah like i think the only time you should maybe question yourself is if you leave the room going i didn't give a hundred percent and then you can't be pissed at yourself that you're not at the you can't be pissed that you're not at the level you're at because you can hold yourself account accountable of as why you're not at that level because you'd be like oh why aren't I dope or as dope as i want to be did i give my all in every lesson this week did i take that extra workshop no so then you're accountable for your own decisions. And I think if you are giving your all and you know that you're giving your all, just be satisfied and be happy. I'm not saying don't keep pushing harder, but be proud of yourself and know that you're giving your all. Yeah. I mean, I tell my students, um, I ran a free intensive just after Christmas for a couple of days. And one of the things we worked on there was that I asked people to fill out two pieces of paper, two sides of A4, one listed as P for personal and one as B for business. And I asked them to fill the paper with as many accolades, achievements, anything as possible, you know, mm -hmm. as, they, as they physically could. Mm -hmm. And that's anything from being a good girlfriend, being a good daughter, being trustworthy, being on time, mm -hmm. winning you know, a freestyle competition in, in the year 2000, working with Beyonce, like whatever it is, fill your page with as much stuff as you can in both your personal life and your business life so that when you step on stage or when you step into an audition or when you, whatever it is, you're going in knowing that you're a full piece of paper, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah, there's, yeah. No, there's no space. You know, you filled it up with all of these amazing things that you have done and should you go down in flames that day, nothing gets rubbed out. Yeah. Nothing ever gets rubbed out of that paper because you've already done it. You already mm -hmm. are it. You already, you know, have become that. So you can never be less than what you have walked into the room with with these pieces of paper. So just know that every experience can just add things to mm. those to those pages. And I think that really helps me. You know, if I'm feeling nervous about going into, you know, I want to transition to Los Angeles and I'm going to have to start now approaching agencies. Mm -hmm. So yes, I can get into the game of comparing myself to other people that are out there but that's not useful to me now. So what I need to do is look at my pieces of paper and like, look, Matthew, you've done this and you've done this and your pages are full and go in with that confidence. You yeah. know, that, that helps me. Yeah, and 
that makes me think like, okay, so think of the most successful people you think of. So when I think of a human who, if I think of the most successful human, I always think of like The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Mm -hmm. Like he's accomplished every single field he's ever been into the top of what he can. He's the highest paid actor of like all time or whatever. But do you think he's successful in life? Mm. I guarantee you his, maybe this is, I'm a fuck it, I can say it. It's my podcast, I can say what I want. Like I bet he's not a great as dad as he is an actor or a business person. Yeah. Like, cause he's spending 18 hours a day in the gym, shooting action movies and all this stuff. He has to retract from somewhere else in his life. So do you think he's given all his time and attention? Guys, you can make more than noise now. You're trying to creep out like the Grinch. Right. Like, it's just because you, you called the Russells earlier. Right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Russell over there with the crisps. Thanks for coming. Have a lovely evening. See you soon. Everyone's like tiptoeing. Right. Um, like to think about Get home it. home safe. Th those say his work day is 18 hours and he's putting all that time into something. That means he's not putting it into something else. So why he might be the best actor or the best whatever but it's retracting from somewhere else so it just depends on what you count as being good enough and where you're putting in all your values it's okay Boy. holla was there a plan b because we didn't think we'd make it because of money self-belief or or did I know it was going to be this way? I, when I was in school, when I was little, I was in Madam Butterfly uh, when I was about six or seven. Um, the Welsh National Opera. And I'd done like the most shows ever for like an under seven-year-old or Come some through. shit like that. Come through. Say, Come well, I didn't, through. didn't have to sing. I didn't even know I was acting. I didn't know anything. They just used to be like to me, go on stage and pretend to play with them flowers. And I go, okay. Because <laughs> just like a performing monkey, I could do anything. Like if you asked me to do it, I'd go, okay. I mean, I'd just do it. Um, and then growing up, I never performed really again until probably 14, really. Well, maybe once at 11. But I never wanted to do this for a job. And then when it came to the time to think of what do you want to do for a living, I was like, my brain just went, what do I like? Oh, I really like dancing. Mm. Okay, cool. Can I make that a job? So the place where I went to dance is called Rubicon and it's very charity funded and everything they did was very supportive. I didn't really pay, for, I think I paid 50p a class. Like, I mean, ridiculous. Because um, it was funded, yeah, right? 50p a class. And it wasn't about making us the best dancers and stuff. It was about making us love what we did. And the whole goal was to make you so passionate about what you did that you just, It'd be your outlet, it'd be your love, it'd be your be all and end all, it'd be your zen, it'd be your place to go and let loose and meditate. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with that so much that I could never imagine doing something different. So when I went to my careers day in high school, I think you're year nine or year 10 and you're about to go on like your work experience and careers day, they're like, what do you want to be? I was like, I'm going to be a dancer. And they're like, okay, well, what, what realistically, what are you going to be? And I was like, no, no, I'm going to be a realistic dancer. Like, I mean, that's, that's it. And they're like, well, we don't know how to cater for that. And I was like, but you asked me what I want to be. When someone else says a footballer, you tell them to practice football. Like you try and do this. If someone says, I want to be a nursery teacher, you've got, a, you've got an answer. Why can you not help me? So on my work experience, they would only let me do one week in Rubicon doing dance. And then my other week, I had to do what deemed to be a real job. So I went and worked with my dad in a car shop. Bearing in mind, all I did was break dance upstairs when I was meant to be tidying up. But they said, you know, you have to do a real job. But in my head, there was nothing 
that's going to stop me from achieving what I wanted. Like when I lived in London, I had no fucking money. Like I used to jump the trains. I used to get off at Waterloo where there was no gates and run <laughs> past the ticket man thinking if he catches me, I'm fucked, but he mm. probably won't. I used to stand outside pineapple and ask people for free class. There was no, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. It wasn't even a thought. I never thought that far ahead. I, I kind of treated everything like one day at a time. So I never thought about Friday if it was Monday. I just knew I had to get through Monday and do Monday to the best that I could and then Tuesday the best that I could and then when I get to Friday, I'll worry about Friday. So there was no like, am I going to make it or not going to make it? It was just how can I make the most of that day because I'm not going to need a plan B that day. Do you know what I mean? And through doing one small hurdle at a time yeah. and trusting myself and knowing that every day I gave my all and every decision that worked for me and against me, I, I made that decision. I don't know. It just kind of played out and I trusted the process. Yeah, I think, I don't know, like with a question like that, it almost sounds like it's up to somebody, you know, it's in somebody else's hands. It's not, it's, you know, it's in your hands. I think the grass is greener where you water it. You have to work at things. Mm. You really have to work at things. There's an amazing book um, called It Chooses You by Miranda July Mm -hmm. and she just interviews various different people about their life and at the end she sort of comes to this conclusion that life is... It's it, it chooses us. I, I really feel like dance chose me. I'd have chose something easier. <laughs> you know, I'd have been like an ice cream man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that, but... Pays the same. Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But it's... um, I don't know. I used to be a really successful makeup artist for Mac. And I had a good salary, but this voice was like, no, you need to do dance. You need to do this. You need to do this. And there's been times when I've wanted to transition away because it got hard. And that was the time I needed to actually just keep watering the grass and keep working and keep pushing through. I think if you've got a plan B, you'll achieve plan B, Mm. you know, because it's okay. It doesn't matter. And then if you've got plan B, you'll have plan C and then you'll go to plan C because it doesn't matter because you're always comfortable. You've always got something to fall back on. I don't. This is it. This is it. I don't have anything else. Me either. I really don't have anything else. It's like when people always be like, oh, you're a really good dancer. Like I do shows like I'm in Dream Boys, like, me too. No, you, you I'm too. Not, <laughs> not, not, I'm not, really not. Not everyone is an incredible dancer. I'm not saying that I'm incredible. Not everyone is at a very high professional level. You know, a lot of them are just good-looking guys with charisma, and they can be in a show. I always get at the end of the show, oh my god, you're such a great dancer, mm. and then I always go, yeah, well, I'm really bad at maths. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I've got nothing else. I put my, I put literally my heart and soul and everything into achieving my my dream. That. I didn't put it into anything else. Like I said earlier, I didn't put it into my family. I didn't put it into anything. So there was no plan B. I never even thought of it. It was never even something that crossed my mind. So I don't know. No, I would say there was never anything like that that would hold me back. Unless the plan B is something that you actually love love also. Mm. And then you have to work out, well, which one do you love slightly more? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah. if you if you run in in one direction and then change and then run in the other direction and then change and then run in the other, you're not going to get as far as if you were to just going to and what it's not impossible, but like what do you want to do? You know what do you, what do you want to do? Work that out. And if if dance is what you want to do, then you have to run towards dance full steam ahead. You can't run with one foot in in the door of something else though. No half in half out. No, you kind of got to go all in because there's a world out there of people going all in. Like Gary. Gary Vee always says, like, double down. Yeah. I mean, double down. Put all, put everything you've got into that one thing. You know, Grant Cardone, 10X. 
you know, times everything that you want by 10. Mm. Because if you're looking to raise 10 grand, it's better to aim for 100 grand and fall short on making 100 grand than it is to fall short on making 10. You know what I mean? So you got you got to really do maximum effort and just put your all into into everything. A lot of the time when people say, oh yeah, but it's not working and this isn't working. I'm like, yeah, but what are you doing? Sit down, have a, have an honest conversation with yourself. What are you doing? What what you know? Are you sending as many emails as you can? Do you have headshots? Do you have a showreel? Are you going to different people's classes? Are you networking? How's your social media? Are you being smart? How do you look? You know, mm-hmm. how do you dress? How what what's your reputation? You you got to look at everything. You can't just be like, oh, it's not working. Why though? I was thinking about my podcast. I think about it a lot, and I go because ideally, when I finish dancing and teaching i would love to one day go into being a radio host or hopefully mm. one day a pod my podcast might make me 20 quid like do you know what i mean and i sat there and i thought to myself why are the what are the things that are stopping me from being successful at this new venture i want to go that i want to have and i went am i putting as much effort into this as i did dance mm. not even a fifth so then why am i expecting something to happen from it I'm not putting as much effort in as I da- as I did with dance. Like, I-, I dreamt about it. I woke up thinking about it. I went to bed thinking about it. It's all I did all day. I don't do that with this. So, I can't expect the world to change and like to be super successful at it because realistically, if I'm accountable for what happens, I haven't put my all in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it also doesn't owe you anything. You know, dance doesn't owe you anything. No. So you have to work at it. You know, you have to really put the work in. Yo, that was a long answer. We went in on that one. 50 minutes on one question. That's okay. Okay, uh, let's try and break that down short for the listeners who couldn't hear. So you said you listened to a podcast that I did with Rosina Andrews and we talked about you don't necessarily need to be a jack of all trades. You could be a master of one. But what if that conflict, if you want to venture out into two areas of the same industry? So, for example, if you wanted to be a musical theatre dancer and a commercial dancer. Hit the nail on the head with this one. That's exactly what she wants. Yeah, that's what you want? Yeah. Boom, because I couldn't really hear you and I was thinking, damn, am I right? That's what she wants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think then you need to, for me, I never wanted to be a jack of all trades because I never wanted to do those things. So for me, my, my answer of just be a master of one is valuable because I never want to be a singer. I never want to be an actor. I never want to be a musical theater. So for me, that was the right thing. It all depends on what your goal is. So whatever your goal is, everyone's goal is going to be different. If your goal is to be able to do both, then you need to look at, instead of you not being a master of all trades, you're going to be a jack of the trades that you need. So, you know, you don't need to be the best makeup artist, even though that still falls under entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like, do you mean it's still going to be part of your job? You've still got to put your own makeup on every day. Like at some point, do you mean it's going to be part of it? But you just need to know, right, what skills do I need to achieve my goal? And if that's four skills, then just make sure that all of them are strong. That's how I saw it. But I was quite fortunate that my goal... I needed one skill. I just needed to be able to dance. I didn't need to be able to sing. I didn't need to be able to act. 
then you can narrow it down to what style of dance do I need to do. But when I say just work on dance, I'm not thinking about um, am I, do I need to learn Irish dancing? Do you know I mean, I just want to be a good dancer and good enough that I can kind of replicate movement to the highest level unless it's a speciality like tap dancing or something or ballet. Like you can't blag that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because there's specific things to it. But I never wanted to do those things. And I was thinking I'm never going to be in a show or I never want to do a show where I've got to be a ballerina. Like I, I understood my basics. I was like, I need to be able to do like at least a double or a triple pirouette because when Brian Freeman calls that's going to be required. Yep. So I just made sure that I had all the skills to reach my goal. And my goal was only to be a commercial dancer. It wasn't to be anything else. I didn't want to, I literally didn't even want to dance in adverts. I didn't think on live stages. My brain went, I just want to dance on TV for an artist. And at the time that was my goal. Do you know what I mean? So I just tried to hone in on the skills I would need for that. So I think it depends on your your final picture of what success is to you and what the main goal is and just work on it requiring those skills. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously being able to venture out into all of them, it keeps you more open to new jobs, I guess. So if you go, I want to be in uh, Wicked, that's my goal is to be like in the ensemble of Wicked. Okay, you need to be able to have good technique, you need to be able to dance, you need to be quite athletic, and you need to be able to story tell through movement and act and sing a little bit. Yeah. yeah, you necessarily don't need to know silks or aerial. But if you learn those skills, if Wicked doesn't work or the, they don't give you the job and you're unemployed, but Carnival Cruises call you and go, we've got a gig that you can do for a year waiting. Do you know silks? Yes, I do. It's, it could carry over and pay off somewhere, but I never wanted those other avenues. I was like, I'm blinker to one avenue and I'm not getting sidetracked so I think it, it can work yeah. both ways and it's you know all the skills that you're learning towards the one is transferable to the other you know you learning to sing you learning to act for for MT and musical theater it's not going to take from the dancing it's going to add you mm -hmm. know it's going to add to it if you learn to act it's going to help you with your dancing anyway it's not as if you're saying I want to be a professional dancer and an astronaut you know, then they're, yeah. they're completely different directions, but actually you're going in a similar direction and it is very transferable and the world is changing. I really feel like we're crossing over. You know, there's people like Sidi Larby, who's an incredible contemporary choreographer who has this amazing company. He just choreographed for Beyonce. Mm. So it's, it, you know, there's these different people are doing all of these different, you know, all of these different things. Look at Christine and the Queens, the type of, you know, movement that she has in her music videos now. It's It's just... Everything's yeah. blending and years it's, and it's years. Like do you mean exactly one hundred percent? You know, and look at the work. You know, the work that Megan's doing with Madonna and everything like that. You mm. know, it's not just. I don't know. It's, it's not. I don't think you have to worry about that. I really don't think you've got anything to worry about. I just think keep getting, keep getting greater, because mm -hmm. you're already great. Just keep working. You know, and I think the path will reveal itself anyway. But there's nothing wrong with learning new things. Do you know what I mean? The more tools you've got, the more employable you are. That's okay. Hit me. Okay. Ooh, go on, break that down. What was that question? How do you basically work out who you are as an artist? And what was the last part? Is there anything you do in particular that keeps you feel like creative? And anything you do to, to 
keep basically topped up with your creative juices? Mm. Uh, I'd always, like I said earlier, I try to be sincere and do what I think I'll enjoy doing. So when I'm creating choreography to teach at a class or if I'm doing something, I don't try and go, these guys love Wildebeest, so I'm going to try and create something like he creates. Mm. I go, I'm going to do the best version of me and mm. hope that mm -hmm. they benefit some way from it. Mm. I really try not to conform, kind of like what we were saying earlier. I don't try and teach you what I think you'll love. I try and teach something that I love teaching and hopefully you'll enjoy the ride with me and you'll learn something from it because it's sincere. Mm. How to keep myself fueled creatively. I look at all different things. Uh, podcasts are my main I listen to podcasts probably like two a day mm. um, in different avenues in health and fitness in comedy in fighting and I just hear people's stories and if I'm being completely honest that is my biggest motivator when I hear Kevin Hart have you any of you seen Kevin Hart's documentary on Netflix so go home and watch it it inspired the shit out of me and made me realize how lazy I am Mm. So even though we're not trying to achieve the same goals, we're not trying to do the same things, nothing similar. We're not even on the same spectrum of the same living being. Like we couldn't be any further apart. But watching it and seeing how much effort and how much drive he's got and how much vision and how much capacity he's got to adapt and change, that inspires me. Do you know what I mean? When I look at The Rock and I go, okay, he went from being a wrestler. Before that, he was an NFL player. Now he's the biggest movie star in the world. That inspires me. There's my f one of my favorite uh, comedians, his name's Brendan Sharp. He's an ex-NFL player and UFC fighter. And in the past six years, he's made himself into a stand-up comedian. That inspires me. I take inspiration from things I kind of guess outside of dance. And I kind of yep. use that to motivate yeah, yeah, me yeah, and yeah, go, yeah, yeah. how can I take their drive and their passion and use it for myself? As opposed to looking at, which I do look at other dancers and go, fuck, that inspired me. Like, they're dope. Like, I take my inspiration from choreographers, like and stuff like that but actually to fuel me with like motivation to keep dry keep going forward and keep progressing normally it's things which aren't related to dance for me 100 percent. do you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. um i would say travel is 100%. really important and i don't just mean the typical go to la yeah that's amazing and you know i always i'm an la advocate at the studio but i went to thailand and literally stayed in the middle of nowhere. I literally stayed in on the edge of the rainforest and it was only accessible via boat. Mm. And I was fucking shitting myself. And you know what? I learned so much about myself. Mm. I learned so much about people and about life and about money and how I'm like, oh, you know, I've got to pay the rent for this. I've got to pay the rent for this. I'm like, these people don't have water. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? They don't have mosquito nets. So... I don't know, tr travel, I would say, mm. would teach you a lot about the world. You'll be inspired by various different things. You'll, you'll have some time to reflect and, and actually listen. I think a lot of the time we're so busy that our head is so noisy and we don't actually take time to strip it away and just to listen to what we're actually trying to say to ourselves. Um, so traveling is important. Um, I'm the same as you, podcasts. I'm obsessed with podcasts and TED Talks. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't search for TED Talks on dance. I'll, I'll watch things on, on the planet, you know, on on gender, on various different things. And, and it just inspires me, you know, in, in, in many different ways. And Netflix, 
And not Netflix in a way of like, oh, just lie at home and chill out and watch Netflix. No, like I actually take so much inspiration from different dramas and documentaries and different things like that that helps me as an artist um, think of new ways of doing things. Hey, tell you, you what will inspire you. Watch Chia. Oh, listen. Hey. I, I, sent, I sent a WhatsApp group message to all of these dancers and said, your homework is to go and watch Chia. Now, I'm not trying to teach you how to be flipping here, there and everywhere when you can barely flip a pancake, but I'm just saying, watch the program. And hey, there's a reason they keep winning. Woo. Like they work their fucking ass off. And you know what it is for me? What got me the most? This was what inspired me. I'm this person. I get bored really fucking fast. Like, I'll be like, I'm going to learn the guitar. And then three right. weeks later, I'm like, that was shit. Right. I wasn't very good. I'm not learning <laughs> it again. I'm that person. And then I was like, they've spent all year practicing for a two minute and 20 second routine. Yeah, the same thing. The same thing. Every, every time. Every time coming in and practicing that same thing. And I was like, I would be bored shitless. However, that's why it's almost flawless. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? There's so many pieces to that puzzle, but that's why it's almost flawless because they hone in on that skill. So say you're trying to practice your pirouette, yeah? And you do it three times a day. Why are we only doing it three times a day? If we really want to be that great at it, you need to hone in on it like it's something that you do every time you enter the kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Uh, when I was in college, funny, when I was in college, I was shit at technical stuff. I still am, but I was really shit at technical stuff. But I was a bit embarrassed by it. So every time I went into my kitchen in my parents' house, the, the like window is kind of mirrored one way. So mm. if you're inside, you can see yourself. And I used to be there and I'd just practice pirouettes until I'd get bored. But I'd be there for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'd be like one, one and a quarter, slip and fall on my ass. <laughs> I made two. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? And yeah, it was yeah, one of those yeah. things that I really, like every time I went downstairs into the kitchen, I would do some pirouettes to a point where then they became like, I can do three. And just the the... That's what that inspired me, watching cheer. Like, they practiced that one lift. They practiced that pyramid for a year yep. to do for 10 seconds to get it right. And, like, take inspiration from those things. Are we putting that much effort in our goals? Yeah. Like, it makes you accountable, right? Am I putting that much effort into advertising my podcast? Am I putting that much effort into my relationship? Am I putting that much effort mm. into my friendships? Am I putting that much effort into looking after myself? No. So why am I expecting greatness? Do you know what I mean? So you have to make yourself accountable so you can find inspiration from other things that doesn't even need to be dense. Deep. Deep, yo. Yeah, Deep. shout out Cheer. Yeah, shout out Monica. Uh, shout out Jerry. <laughs> yo, Jerry's Matt Talk. Yes, you go, girl. Yo, bitch. Go on, bitch. Yo, he inspired the shit out of me. Right? I was like, I was like, Talking about being like happy for other people. Yeah, even when she said, you're no longer, you're no longer needed, you know, stand at the side. He was like, go on, you can do it. I'm like, you see? You see? You see why they win? He's an angel. it's because mm, of that. He's an angel. Know? Dope. Hit me. What you got? Yes, lovely. Do I have a dream artist that I want to work with? Have you ever listened to my podcast before? Yo, I would... Do, I was going to be so rude then. I was going to be like, I'll suck all the dicks to dance for Justin Timberlake. <laughs> 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 That's, so yeah. Yeah, I'll leave it on that, I don't care. Um, no, yeah, Justin Timberlake is my dream artist. Like, I would, I would never dance a step again in my entire life. 
to just do one song for Justin Timberlake. If I could do Like I Love You with him, I would literally never dance again. So yes is my answer. I have a dream artist. Other than that, J-Lo maybe. I'd like to do J-Lo. Other than that, no, no, really. No one else. Mm. Rasta Mouse. No, I'm joking. Hey, my sister-in-law My sister-in-law toured with Rasta Mouse. Oh, you see? You see? A gangster. Uh, no, I, I like lots of people. I'd really love to work with Christine and the Queens. I really would. Or Robin. Yeah. Christine and the Queens or Robin. Robin, when was the last time she released something? Oh my God, last year. She's got an amazing album. Is she? Oh, yeah. She. Oh, this is a bit of shade, actually. Go on, hit oh me. dear. Sorry, Robin. Love you forever. Love your music. I'll never work with you again. Thank you. Bye. So basically, um, I auditioned to be in her music video for the new album uh -huh. and I got, I got it. I booked the job. Um, and they were like, oh, the pay is 50 pounds. Suck a dick, Robin. I says, <laughs> decline. <laughs> And then the woman, like, I don't know who it was, but she sent me the email back and she was like, um, just to confirm, you're turning down the opportunity to dance with Robin for this amount of hours. I says, um, incorrect, actually. Robin is going to miss out on dancing with me yeah. for that amount of hours. Um, Very nice. Because like, you know, I'm here in Birmingham and you want me to travel down to London and you want me to do, I think it was like 10 a.m. until 11 p.m. in this church in like February in the freezing cold and dance with no top on. Now, the listeners can't see, but I am an Adonis, you know? But to dance with, with no top on, you Fuck know, it. for Robin in a music video that's gonna be seen by God knows how many millions. You wanna pay me 50 pounds? What can I buy with 50 pounds? Not in my train ticket. Nothing, exactly. Not even the megabus. Exactly, so I was like, you know what? I love you, but straight up decline. Good but for I, you. But I really do like her. Really? I really love her music. Uh, you know, sometimes, but it's that whole Beyonce thing. It's like, do they know? Do the artists know? No, I don't think that they this do. is what is on offer because I don't think so. Not all of them, anyway. No, some of them do. See, but then, wow, would I dance for Justin? I'd probably pay to dance for Justin Timberlake. I wouldn't because my like, my standards would kick in, and I'd be like, no, this isn't a good example for the world. But at the same time, like, if I die the next day, I'm kind of happy with it. So I don't know. Yeah. Like, if Michael Jackson came back from the dead. Like, do you know what I mean? If MJ came back for the dead and said, I want you all to do one show with me. Like, are we all going to be like, what's the rates, bruh? <laughs> what's the rates? <laughs> what's the rates, bruh? Are they meeting Dancers Alliance? Uh, right. No, we're going to be like, Cause this is thriller. Like, we're going to go mm. in. Yeah. Bye, lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you, babe. Bye. Hey, you look nice and snug in that scarf. Right. Mm. It's that February weather. Yeah, so yeah, Justin Timberlake is 100% the dream artist. And shout out for turning down to Robin. I hope you get the opportunity again for a real fee. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe not now. We'll see. I think I'm on her blacklist. <laughs> maybe maybe not now. <laughs> Chopped. No, but I would love to, you know, or, or anybody like that. The thing with me is I just want to change the way that people tell stories. I want old music videos back. You know mm. what I mean? Like Sean Bankhead with Normani. Come all the way through. You know what I mean? Like a, a, right, a right throwback. Like we're where dance is happening and people are telling stories through movement. That, I really want to do that. I oh. want to, I want to speak. Mm. I want to speak. That's why I love Ryan Heffington. You know, yeah. his work is, 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 I love it. You know, it's not for everybody, but for me, wee. isn't it amazing how like we've all got such different like flavors and interests. Yeah. Like, like, like I think he's a genius, but I can't think of one job where I go, I need to do that. Whereas oh like I look God. at my Kadelka and I go, I need to do that. And I bet you go, yeah, I could live without that. Yeah, I could live but without it. That's but what's, that's what's but so amazing about what we do, right? Put me with like, Sia, you know. 
Wow. Hey, have you listened to her, um, what's her name? Maddie Ziegler? Ziegler? Yeah. Have you listened to a podcast on the dance room? No. Ava? No. Ah, so you need to go and listen to that. It's really good. Are you going to disappoint me? No. No, no, it's great. Oh, it's great it's things? Really... Oh, I thought you were going to no, no, see her. Then I was just a, about no, to no, collapse. No, no, I'm just saying like she's a gangster. Whenever I think of Sia, I don't think of Sia. My head pictures Maddie. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't know why. I couldn't even tell you what Sia looks like, but I can tell you who Maddie is. Yeah. So I just relate that. But no, That's her, right. hers is dope. She's only 16 and she speaks like she's like 32. It's ridiculous. Mm, she's a gangster. Sorry. We go off on one. Uh, any, any other questions? Yeah. It's okay. You can ask more than one. That's how you win, Ebony. It's like Speak a, up. Let yourself be hurt. It's like a question buffet. <laughs> Uh huh. Okay, so question for the listeners so they understand. The podcast with Tally, we talk about when you finish a job that I was just a bit like, mm, okay, it's done, um, and my life isn't changed. Do I feel like it's a bit wasted what I've worked towards? Um, it's really interesting. So I did a podcast last this week with Jonathan Bishop. It comes out tonight or tomorrow. And he was in the West End for the past like three years. Yep. And then we also, we used to work together quite a lot. And he was saying how he prefers doing musicals than he does jobs because he feels like he has a purpose. And I, I don't know. I've never done a musical or West End. So I, I can't really relate to it. I mean, Dream Boys, I guess, is the most consistent thing I've ever done. But yeah. I mean, I'm the artist there, so it's different. That's right. Um, but he's saying he prefers it because it's not like you rehearse all week for one moment and it's dead and gone after that. He's like, he likes it because every day he has somewhere to be. Every day there's a purpose at the end of the day. Like if he doesn't get there, it really affects everyone. So he's he feels like he's valued. And when he was doing uh, dancing for artists and stuff, he felt more like a decoration. And I, him, hearing him say that, I was like, yeah, I get it. But I was always happy to be a decoration. So, I mean, after it, I'd always be like, oh, my God, like I've just danced in front of 100,000 people with Nicole Scherzinger. And then the next day, I, my life would be the same. I'd be back go-go dancing in a gay bar in L.A. in a Speedo. That's how I meant for me. I was like, ah, my life is no different. Like, do you know what I mean? It wasn't like a life-changing gig nothing changed about me or the circumstances I was in. I just managed to have a fantastic experience and I'll remember it forever. Do you know what I mean? But I think I had set up for myself that those goals would be life-changing. In my head, I'd be like, oh my God, I'm going to do this and then my world's going to change forever because nothing is better than that. And then when it happens, it's amazing. But then you're like, oh, the world is still the same. I'm still me. I'm still five for eight, Ginger. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, nothing changed. I'm not now a multi-bazillionaire. From just doing, like, a one-dance gig, maybe a gig would be life-changing if you book a commercial and you earn £300,000 in residuals. That's probably a life-changing gig, and it finishes in a day, but that could be life-changing. But the ones I've managed to experience have not really been life-changing, as in I'm a whole new person after it but I did get great learning experiences from them and they were fantastic times and I wouldn't change any of them. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I don't know because I've never done a West End or a film, so I can't relate to that. But speaking to Jonathan, his West End experience was much better because he had a purpose. 
I just don't think anything's ever wasted. No. I don't think so. I think it depends how you look at it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because I've learned so much by doing things that actually weren't for me at all. And I learned so much by going and watching shit theatre. Yeah. You know, and I'll watch things and I think, oh, fucking hell, this is shit. But then that actually, I could look at it as like, oh, well, this is a waste of my time. Or I can look at it as, well, actually, I've learned what not to do. Yeah. And I've sat there and looked at it like, well, I could have done this better. And then that's given me the confidence. That's that's my voice telling me, well, actually, you could have done that better. You believe in yourself. Go and do it better then. Mm. You know, so it really, I don't know. What do you class as wasted? That's what I would ask. Yeah, it's true. What do you class as wasted? Like even auditions, like I always say to people, like don't treat auditions as life and death. Like everyone is a learning experience. If you get cut in the first round, why? If you get to the end and don't get the job, figure out why. Look at the people that do figure out what they're doing right that you might be doing wrong like it's not a waste it's learning every experience is an experience you might just learn never to do it again yeah and and also you don't know when you're going to need it again you know so there's i believe that everything in life adds to your sort of toolkit so you know you go to a class and you 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 get a skill and you put it in your toolkit and you go to an audition and you get a skill and you put it in your you know in, in your toolkit you get in a relationship and you learn different things and you put it in your toolkit i remember i did a musical when i was 18 and we had to many work moons ago many 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 moons ago and we had to we had to work with newspapers and I absolutely hate it. I was like, oh my God, this is very hard. Real newspapers are actually quite hard to, to dance with, you know. And They're hard to read, let alone dance with. Right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Praise Jesus for the Kindle. Um, and it was, it, it was a skill that I thought I'd never need again. Fast forward to 2000 and, was it 17? 2017, me and Chanel were working as assistant choreographers on the Commonwealth Games live to one billion people one take completely live and just before we're about to go on rosie k the the head choreographer turns around and says here's 40 newspapers you've got five minutes and 40 dancers make something with these newspapers and then all of a sudden i was like well remember that thing that i did when i was 18 like you know how to do this but then it was 12 years of, of not using this skill and then one day it just appeared. Mm. And I was like, oh, thank God I did that thing. Does that make sense? You, you never know when you're going to need it, ever. And that comes over to your maybe jack of all trades, master of one. Maybe you learn tap dance now, but you might not use it until you're 45. And maybe that's when you were supposed to use it. Does that make sense? She's all, uh-huh. You know, I think it's really important to know that the last thing to grow on a fruit tree is the fruit. And sometimes people plant seeds and are staring at the soil like, um, hello, where's the apples? It takes time. That you know, was, every That was a gem, that. Right? That, that I've probably stolen it from somebody else. I don't know, but that, I'm telling you now, good, it? but it's a, it's a fact, right? The, 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 the banana don't pop out the seed, does it? No. You have to, you know, it, it grows, and it, but it's always the last thing to grow is the fruit. And I think we look at it the other way around. I was reading, what was I reading the other day? I can't even remember. And it was, this is definitely from somebody, and I can't remember where it was. If I, if I remember, I'll, I'll let you know. Mm. Um, and it was saying that basically musicians go to a rock concert and then want to learn how to play the guitar from watching the concert. But... 
dancers will will go to a class without having watched a performance and yeah. they do it the other way around yeah. you know and it's that, that to me is really interesting so it's sort of it's, I'm totally getting distracted now by what we're even talking about but I know that I'm <laughs> on the right path yeah. what was the question? Nothing to do with that. We just went on a tangent, but yeah, it made sense. Well, it was beautiful, whatever it was. Yeah. There you go. Use it or don't. Hey, that was a gem. The fruit's the last thing. Th I enjoy that. There you go. Everything else, discard it. But that one, gold. I'm going to use that this week. There you go. I'll probably say that on my podcast tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'll Copyright, Kane Silver. I'll post this after, so <laughs> everyone will be like, he's a genius. <laughs> right. He's a thief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, any others? That awkward. Oh, the Deathly Hallows. Try. If not, it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll laugh. Do you think the UK has to, in terms of the dance thing, what do you think it has to improve on in terms of the dance thing or the dance industry? What, ooh, that's different. Dancing or the dance industry? I say dance industry. Okay. Actually, so, can I do scene and industry? Yeah, of course. So what do we think the UK needs to improve on regarding the dance scene and the dance industry? The dance scene, I would just say, it depends again on your goals. If you just want to dance for fun, go and take whatever fucking classes you like. Go and learn from whoever makes you feel good as long as you're leaving there smiling. If you want to make a living and a career from it, choose wisely. I see lots of dance classes which are full, which probably don't offer much value, and I see lots of dance classes which offer probably lots of value and aren't as full as they should be by people who want to be in the industry but they're not requiring the schools because the, the, the skills or the tools, that was two words at once, came into schools, uh, <laughs> because they're not learning the right skills that they need to carry over into the real, I guess, the professional world. But they go in and taking this class that feels good, which has its own value. Because don't forget, like, being, uh, to progress, we have to fuel ourselves emotionally as well as with the toolkit. So of course you have to go and do things that you like and things that make you feel good because at the end of the day, that is why we do this. Yeah, but I think a lot of people do that and they don't really strive to go, okay, why are there working dancers in the environment I'm in? No, as the person I'm learning from, done the things I wanna do, no. Maybe we should look about readjusting where we're putting our intentions. In regards to the dance industry, fucking loads could be better, money, rates, mm -hmm. how we're treated, everything that Dancers Network at the moment is trying to accomplish and they're yeah. doing the most wonderful job. Like they're doing more than anyone else has ever done. They are changing things. The fact that they last week got, I think like 10 different agents in the same room to negotiate on something. I was like, that's an achievement. The fact that you got them in the room is an achievement. Um, there's lots of things to be improved on and I do think slowly they will keep improving and they've definitely improved since when I was first started in the industry. They do seem like they're getting better. Rates have gone up for specific shows, things like that. But I had a podcast with Claude Amar and he made the best point ever and I'd never really thought about it before. He said, we're asking the people who are employing us to change so much, but we're not changing anything. Mm -hmm. So for them to make all these changes and to treat us better, we have to make sure that we're on top of our game too and we deserve it. So we're not on our phone in rehearsals. We're not late. We're turning up in the appropriate clothing. If we're asked to bring something, we bring it. We tick all the boxes that they need for them to tick all of our boxes. So I think it's a two-way a two thing. 
Like, we can't expect them to treat us like professionals if we're not acting like them. Mm. Yep. It's okay. You were going to go for one. Go. How good did it feel to achieve my dream? Uh, my, this happens, I think, with everyone. And I'm sure you'll agree. Your dream changes all the yep. time. My dream was to go to dance college. I went to dance college. My dream was then to possibly make money from dancing. I made money from dancing. My dream was then to dance for Alexandra Burke and be, I wanted to do bad boys. I did bad boys. Then my dream was to do X Factor. Then I did X Factor. So every time I've accomplished a goal or a dream, I've set the stakes higher. I feel like to be successful, you, you don't want to be the person which goes, I've achieved my dream. I can stop now. Yep. Like, and all that, that means you are successful and you achieved your dream, but the ones that really strive and succeed, I feel like your dream is forever changing. So all the dreams I have achieved on the way, they felt magical and special in the moment even though I probably wasn't in the moment as much as I should have been, because once I did it, I was always thinking about the next one. I should have been more present and enjoyed that experience more. As soon as I got one, I'd be like, what am I going to do next week? How am I going to top this? But I think that's why I, I progressed quite fast in my career. But it feels amazing. Like, I just think take everything as it is and don't set expectations on stuff. Aim for your goals and aim for your dreams and just take them for what they are not for what you expected them to be. Don't set the bar too high because you're going to end up disappointed. I feel like I always set the bar way too high and then it'd happen and I'd be like, I'm not going on tour with them. Like, <laughs> you don't want me to travel the world with you now we've done this job. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Just be proud of yourself and be happy with it and then change your goal. You'll move on to the next thing. And plug yourself in and turn yourself on and realize that you're alive now. Yeah. live immediately and I think when we're in a creative industry or any industry really and you have a goal that's sort of in the future like I want to tour with this person or I want to work with this or I want to be this you miss out all of the years that it takes to get there and you actually don't take in any of the enjoyment from the process does that make sense you've got to enjoy the process you're alive now does that make sense you could get mowed down by a truck on Friday. Heaven forbid. But the point is, is that if you're waiting to enjoy it and you're waiting to, to take in the goodness and, and bask in that glory of being a dancer and being this, 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 you, you'll never enjoy anything I because you'll get there and then you'll want another job. That's, that was me. You'll, I did that a lot. You'll, you'll never be happy. So, so my advice would be to absorb it now. Sit in it now. Because really, the best dancers are always students. The best artists are always forever learning. So if you accept that you're always going to be learning, then you're already, on, you're already there. You're living now. It's not a dress rehearsal. This is the show. It sounds wanky, but if you don't, even though you have a big dream and like you're like, I'm going to reach that and it could be far away, set a little goal every day. So even if your little goal every day you achieve, you're going to get that satisfactory feeling and if you can achieve small goals every day big goals are much easier to reach because you're used to reaching the goals that you're setting does that make sense like there's a book by um aubrey marcus it's called own the day own your life 
And he's saying, we aim for things which are so far away that we don't really feel the effects from. But every day, if you own that day, and every day you do everything it requires to reach that goal, you're owning every day at a time. And by the time you know, you've accomplished everything because you've ticked every box along the way. It's a super inspiring, I listen to it on audio because I don't like reading, but it's a super inspiring one. And his like ones are simple, like uh, have a cold shower every morning, do 50 burpees. And then he like, he organizes his stuff to do his day, all the things that he's dreading first. So everything that he's dreading, he does first. So by the time lunchtime comes, he's done all the things that he was dreading to do and afraid of doing. And then he does all the amazing things in the afternoon. And then he finishes his day like, I smashed today, bring on tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then it's that roll on effect of you yeah. going, that wasn't that bad. As opposed to building up all the things that we dread and all the things that we don't like doing and doing all the good stuff all the time then we're not achieving anything because we're piling up this big pile of shit that we don't want to get to. You know what I mean? And that's what he does. And that's what I took from that being like, cool. So every morning, get up, make my bed. Like, do you know what I mean? It's simple stuff, but it carries over because you get into a, the habit of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I was watching a TED talk and, and somebody, I can't even remember now who it was, and somebody was saying, how do I get to where I want to be in the next eight years? Mm -hmm. And they said, by enjoying the next eight days. Yeah. And by maximizing the next eight days rather than the next eight years. You can dream about eight years, but when are you going to start? You know, the time's going to yeah. pass anyway. So you may as well make the next eight days the best eight days that you possibly can. In, in Like you said, ticking mm -hmm. one thing off every day, mm -hmm. you know, and, and just sort of working on that. I just think we always live in the future. I think of, uh, think of all them people which go... And I, we've all got one in our family. Everyone has that person that goes, well, my diet's going to start on Monday. Me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, and it's and it's it's Tuesday, and they're waiting a week, or it's right. Friday, and it's like, right. but why wait? Like, you could just do a little bit today, and then like it's ticking along the process. But everyone does, don't they? they go on Monday. I'm going to start my diet yeah. next week. Yeah. But why put it off? I'm not saying you need to go full bang in straight away and cut everything. But if you start reducing a little bit, it's going to make the workload easier to do. Yeah. And I think if we can have that approach with everything, it makes life much easier. There's 84,600 seconds in a day. So there's 84,600 opportunities to reset. Ain't that a song? 84,600 minutes. <laughs> right, rent. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, but we wait, I don't know, we, we wait for New Year's Eve to become a new person. You know what I mean? Well, at New Year, I'm going to set a goal of being, we'll set it now, Sandra. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, why are you waiting? It's, it's March. Why are you waiting till next January? Do it now. Mm. And if you fuck up, start again and learn do it again it. Learn, learn from, from it. it know that it wasn't wasted it's part of the process the last thing to grow is the fruit so strap yourself in enjoy it oh right. just swiddling that finger I was like get it yes that's a question really dramatic one but <laughs> <laughs> he's just doing them Eric's doing the most um, Ivan Kamoyov once said something when we were in rehearsals and he said uh, there's more there's more than one way to get to the root of nine. Like to make the number nine, there's more than one way, right? You can have three threes, you can have singulars, you can have two, 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 one. Like there's more than one way. And it really stuck with me. So like no matter what your end goal is, we don't all have to have the same journey. Write that down, Ebony, please. Pass that on to me. <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like there's, or, or use 12. Like, do you know I mean? You can have fours, you can have threes. Like. We're not all going to have the same journey just because we're trying to reach a specific destination. If our destination is success, 
our success doesn't all have to be the same thing and our journey doesn't have to be the same. That's just fried my brain. If you can hear that sizzling, it's my fried egg of a brain. But it's true. Like I was teaching the other day and I said to the students, I'd never taught them before. And I said, what's your goal? Why are you at this performing arts college? And they all had different answers. And one girl went to me. I said this on the podcast the other day. But she said, uh, I, I just want to be known for what I do. And I went, okay, that's not a bad thing. In what aspects? And she was like, I don't know. I just, I want to be a performer and I want to be known for it. I want to have an impact. And I was like, okay. And I made her think about all the different ways that she could be known and have an impact whilst being a performer. And I used the example of uh, a teacher called Barbara Evans. Um, I don't know if you'll know her, but she's taught at like lanes forever. And she's now teaches at Wilkes Academy. And I don't know her as this super duper performer dance for all these people. But I know Barbara Evans as a living legend because 99% of the work in industry has been taught by her. Yeah. So that was her imprint. And that's what, that's what f she's known for from my, ass from my perception. Like I know her as this person that has helped pi like pave the way for so many people. And does that have more value than dancing for all these artists? Maybe so. It depends. So I think there's more than one way to success or having notoriety I guess yeah. within the industry yep yeah. yo shit it's getting deep it's getting deep 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 it's deep, deep down inside but deep. I think being known is being different is, that's very different to being famous yes you know and we live in a viral yeah. a viral world yeah so that, you know that's very different if you want to make an impact well if she just great. said I want to be famous I'd have gone do porn or do you know what I mean like right <laughs> right get an OnlyFans yeah exactly yeah yeah, <laughs> right. Make that money. Make honey. the money. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do what you gotta do, baby. Gotta exactly. do what you gotta do. Exactly. Yo, guys, I danced in a gay bar in a speedo while people took money in their pants. Don't be judgmental. It was all part of the journey. Me too. I didn't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> it was a voluntary position. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jane, I love you. Got any others? Are we? We cushy. Hit me. Yeah. Do you feel that vocational training is essential? Do I feel like vocational training is essential, obviously, within the performing arts? No. I don't think it's essential. I dropped out of Millennium after six weeks. I got rejected from London Studio Centre twice. By the time I was would have been in second year at London Studio Centre, I was teaching there. And by the time I was in third year, I was applying for a visa. So no, uh, I that's the end of that. Thank so, you for so, thank you for tuning in, everybody. <laughs> no, so I don't think it is essential. I think I think your training, the the best training you can have, the best training you can have is the one that you're going to be committed to. So the best training you can possibly have is the one that you're going to give your all to. That training for me wasn't something I was going to give my all to. So you can go to Wilkes, or you can go to Lanes, or you can go wherever. But if you're not willing to give a hundred percent but you're willing to give 100% somewhere else, go somewhere else, mm. do something else. I knew that me standing outside pineapple and taking three classes, if I could blag it a day, was gonna be more beneficial than me doing six at Millennium because they were the choices that, like, that I was making the decisions. I wasn't doing the ones that they grafted out for me. I was making those choices and I was making sure those classes that I was doing, I'd give my all in and I, I cared about them and I wanted to do them. That's way more beneficial than going and doing ones which someone has written out for you. Not to say those skills aren't, going to be beneficial like we said 
jack of all trades and master of one. I am no longer a jack of all trades because I left that. But I knew I'd give 100% doing it my way, making my choices, because it was my hard-earned cash that I was paying every time on the door. When it's when sometimes when you're vocational training, you don't you don't do the money exchange. Maybe someone pays it for you. Maybe you get a scholarship. Maybe your parents pay it. So and it becomes so regular. I think you forget the use of it. You know what I mean? Like I say, if you went to the cinema and bought a large popcorn and they gave you a medium, you'd be pissed. But sometimes when it comes to training, we pay for it so far in advance or so far after that we're not thinking about am I getting what I've paid for now? If you're giving. 60% of what you could be given 100, you're settling for your medium popcorn. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And also you have to kind of remember that they're a business. Yeah. They're there to make money. Yeah. They're not there to just give you a career. They're there to make money. Sorry, but it's true. You, you know, you can mm. achieve your dreams without going and without paying into the system. I know I sound like one of those people, but you, you actually can. Mm. And I just think that we're brought up believing that we have to go to school and then we have to go to college and then from college we have to go to university or we have to go to vocational and actually you you don't have to at all you, you really don't things. have to i've got no gcse's you know what i mean like, of course and some i'm of the, not you saying know, that's good but i'm just no, saying everyone was like you'll never it, make it in anything it is what it is some of the best people in the world that have you know created some of the most ridiculous companies on the planet don't have any qualifications but they had a dream and they had a uh, they had work ethic they w they were willing to water the grass you know because i think the good thing about vocational is some people need to be spoon fed and guided some people need 3 years of somebody saying why weren't you here why are you late why are you doing this put you your need, leg there you need to do that you need to do that you need to do this make sure you dress this way make p people some people need that I wasn't some that. people don't i'm not one of those people no, me that no. actually pisses me off and me i hate being treated like <laughs> you know but some people absolutely need that and for us to then turn around and say no don't go they'll drown on their own they'll never make it because they just don't have that and sometimes people don't have that discipline at home either because families don't always understand what's required so you have to work out what do you need? What do you need? Do you think that you can do it on your own? I, I know you, so it's easy for me to say yes. But other people listening to this, I don't know. So you have to work out, can you do it on your own? Or are you the type of person that needs to be consistently pushed? And if you are a person that needs to be consistently pushed, can you get a mentor that's not going to cost you £54,000 over three years? Because it doesn't guarantee you a job. I know somebody that's left Erdang having paid, what, like 50 grand and works at New Look. So it's not a guarantee. That's the majority of people that leave college. It's not yes. a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. <laughs> so for, for me personally, I don't think it's worth the financial risk. I think you can get better training um, outside of vocational. I think that you can get better training um, from taking some people's open classes, taking different intensives, traveling, going and working. Um, a, a lot of people I speak to, I used to teach at a lot of vocational colleges and I used to be a regular teacher at the Brit School. And people would always say, but I'm doing it for the end of year showcase or I'm doing it for the year three showcase so I can get in front of people. You can get in front of them people anyway. You just got to know how to network. And I think if you know how to make connections and build relationships, you can win. I really do think so. I don't think there's one magic answer for anyone. No. In anything in life, not even dance, in anything. Like what makes us, what makes everyone in this room happy, we're all gonna have a different thing. What makes us all sad, it's gonna be a different thing. Like there's no magic path. 
There's just ones that you can hear lots of different stories. And that is the whole point of this podcast is that if you can relate to one person that I speak to and you can be like, okay, that might work for me because I, I, I feel that way about a specific thing. So maybe I should try their, their method. I don't agree with what Kane says. I, I don't want to be a master of one. I want to be a jack of all. There's no magic journey. There's no magic way. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, man. <laughs> Any others? Correct. I think it's a lot. Hey, if you got another one, you fire him away. You're getting. Link yeah, on, yeah. Ebony. Link on, girl. Everybody else is asleep. No, I'm joking. They're not. Thinking, fuck's sake, Ebony. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. I want to go home, bitch. Wow. <laughs> Good. Good. So you're nervous because you've been kind of told what to do and guided for the past 13 years via the education system and you're afraid to go and make those decisions for yourself. And what advice do we have? Um, I imagine from getting to know you just through talking to you and you asking lots of questions, your whoever has raised you has instilled very good work ethic and they've instilled into you to how to be a very lovely person so whatever you do keep those choices in mind and whatever the outcome is you're going to be fine if you are a crackhead who is late and horrible to everyone that might be a different conversation do you know what i mean have I might... you met her <laughs> <laughs> I, but do you know what i mean like if you if you rolled in late and then you put no effort in the entire class and you sat there with a face on you looking at us like, who are these two dickheads? This would probably be a different answer. Do you know what I mean? I'd probably go, you probably need some more guidance. I don't think you could be probably trusted to steer yourself in a good direction. But just by how much input you've had, yeah. I, I believe, and I, I don't know much in life, I just know how to two-step, but I believe that you'll make the right choices because your head is already screwed on. The advice for everyone else, not you guys, but anyone who's listening who needs advice for that, would be how, how what's your decision making like? Can you be accountable for not waking up on time? Do you blame other people if shit goes wrong? Like, those are good indicators of like, if something goes wrong, do you take accountability and go, yeah, that's my bad? Or do you try and find something else to blame it on? If you're the kind of person that finds something else to blame it on, you might need some guidance. You might need some steering, do you know what I mean? If you're the person which go, oh, I made that decision, that wasn't a good move, okay. Or oh, then something goes right. I made that decision. That was a good move. You can figure it out your own way. Yeah. And I just think fear is not always a bad thing. It can be a great thing. Have you listened to Dana Wilson's podcast on fear? The, last, the latest one on fear? Mm -hmm. Ask yourself why. Like a kid, why? What are you scared of? Sometimes fear is great. It really is great. I'm reading a book at the moment called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And she says something very profound and she just says jump and the net will appear you know Ooh. jump and the net will appear and i think often me included we'll stand on the edge and we'll be on the precipice and we're looking over the cliff and we're like i can't is it safe is someone gonna catch me is someone you know sometimes sometimes we can't see what's there and i really i really going back to the the thought earlier of the fact that it, it, this life has chose you. I think it's chose you. I think you're good. Mm. Jump. The net will appear. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Yeah. Dope.
Yeah, that was Amazing. fun, guys. Really fun. I hope you're all awake. We are. Yeah. Yes. Yo, you've <laughs> been here since 10 a.m. and it is now. And if you're deaf and you can't to listen 10. to this podcast, we have a book on sale. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. The fact alone that you've gone, I need advice, and you've just written a whole fucking book about what we've spoke about. You're That'll be in Waterstones tomorrow. Yeah, you're good. You can buy it at canesilver.com. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> I'll give you 10%. Um, no, thank you so much, guys. That was dope. Thank you. All good? Thank you so much, thank dude. Thank you so much. It's been much. a pleasure. Thank you. Um, boom. Come, come back anytime. Uh, everyone go on Instagram and check out Heartwork Studios. That's correct. That was right? Yeah, that's boom. right. I tagged you in something earlier, or I sent someone a message about where I was teaching. I definitely spelled it wrong. I was like, I clicked on it, and you know, like, nope, that's not where I'm going. Well, if we close down now, it's because of you. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. Please leave a rating and review on iTunes. Share with your friends. Peace out, motherfuckers. Boom.